From Sales Loft Podcast, it's No Nonsense Sales with your tour guide through the alphabet wilderness of sales jargon, Tom Boston. Well, here we go again, episode 18 of No Nonsense Sales as we trawl through the sludge of sales terminology. This week, we finally arrive at one of the all-time greats. Love this phrase. It's seen in many an email of a seller, heard on many a sales call, on sales calls probably around the world. The phrase is, I'm reaching out. I don't know when we all decided as sellers that that's the phrase that we're going to use. This is how I imagine that it went. Listen up, all salespeople. We don't just contact people anymore. A stunned silence falls across the room. We reach out to them. Salespeople rise to their feet in admiration. Genius, they scream, applauding. Then every salesperson ever for the rest of time decided, yep, let's use that phrase instead. It's a funny term because it tries to disguise prospecting as something casual. Hey, yeah, I'm just here on a whim. But prospecting is not casual. It's usually very thought out, methodical and targeted. I hate to say it, but as salespeople, we tend not to tell the truth, often to our downfall. But I think brutal honesty can actually help sellers sell better. So yes, this is a sales call, and I'd love you to be a future customer. Yes, I am a salesperson, and I'm contacting you because I'm intrigued by what you do. So not oh yeah, this is me just reaching out. I'm just reaching out and seeing, hey, there's no problems. This is me selling. I think you'd be a great fit for my product or service. Would you at least let me tell you what it is? My guest this week, he's heard all this before. Carl Carell, the CRO and co-founder of Get Accept. And as you can imagine, he has a lot of salespeople reaching out to him. So I know on your LinkedIn profile, you say that you've got a, a passion for finding new ways to develop the ever-changing landscape of sales. But I wondered, what's the biggest change that you've noticed in the last 12 months when it comes to the, the sales world? Yeah, I think so. I actually wrote that sentence that's on my LinkedIn 10 years ago, and it still applies to where I think it's uh, where I enjoy myself in, 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 in my career. So uh, just reflecting on that for two seconds. But the, the biggest change, I think, of course, the current situation that, that's happening from, from a perspective when it comes to, to sales is we, we're in a, you know downturns and, and risk hitting recessions uh, around the world. So, of course, that's impacting us. And I think the biggest change that I'm seeing in the sales cycle is decisions that were usually made by a some type of decision maker or stakeholder, they can't make those choices anymore by themselves. They have to have more executive sponsorship uh, and C-level sponsorship. So we're seeing more and more, uh, I think, a trend of uh, deal cycles a little bit longer because we need to account for engaging a little bit more stakeholders so you can actually take a decision to move. So I think that is the difference between really, really high-performing individual sales reps and organizations. Have they adapted to include those new stakeholders that are more focused maybe on the financial side of things. Do we actually have money to do something? How do we motivate that we make an investment? Is it a sound investment? So I think that is one of the biggest changes that that I, I think I have seen personally in our sales cycle, but also talking to other sales leaders and, and founders of, of SaaS companies. Well, I think that 
that phrase that you wrote 10 years ago, ever-changing landscape of sales, still so relevant because things do change and your deal cycle time might change based on the the world that we're living in. So I think it's it's always a good idea for sales teams to, yeah, to be on their toes and be ready to change and adapt at uh, any moment, right? So um, I know that your inbox is probably full because, you know, based on your role and, and, and get accept and all the great things that you do, I'm sure that you're being prospected yourself a lot at, at right now. But what's the most common prospecting that you're seeing in your inbox right now? So is it email? Are you seeing, are you seeing social? Are people still cold calling? Does that still happen? <laughs> I, I think depending a little bit on who the seller is, yes, I think they're doing all three. I think I've seen more and more on LinkedIn. And I think one of the biggest trends that I'm, I'm a bit against personally, because I don't react well to it. And I don't think I'm actually the buying persona for, for our customers as well. So it's the automated sequences on LinkedIn, which I think provides no value. I accept an, an invite from someone, nothing says nothing. And two seconds later, two, five minutes later, there is an automated sequence on LinkedIn. And I think I never respond to them. I archive them and, and don't answer to those people because I know that, that I'm just in a big one big sequence of, of some sort of mass list. So that is one trend that I'm seeing. Then I'm still surprised, uh, I think, uh, Tom, that how many are still using tactics that didn't work three, four, five years ago and continue to apply them. So I think on the centers of ever-changing sales, what works for you today, and at least in my mind, may not work in three months. That's the life cycle I see about tactics that you change. So if you're an SDR reaching out or a BDR or an AE building your own pipeline, like what you worked for you in Q4 necessarily doesn't work for you in Q1 of 2023, right? So uh, I, I think it's so important to continuously just change small things all the time and continue to be on your toes so you're different. Because at the end of the day, uh, what I personally respond to is, is the ones that stand out. So what I'm hearing from you then is, yeah, things that don't feel, sound, look automated and things that kind of stand out. So so what's what's the best thing that a seller could do to maybe grab grab your attention, right? Is it is it something that's hyper-personalized? Are you a fan of memes, you know, GIFs? I know that's a big trend at the moment with, with sellers. What what gets you to not archive and actually go, okay, wait a second. This looks pretty good. Uh, yeah, I think the first step is actually writing decent subject lines because I do archive a lot just based on subject lines when I look in the emails. So I think first and foremost, like make sure that people open your emails and don't bait and switch people there. Uh, in, in the, I, I, I'm not a big fan partnership, etc. And then I immediately know they're trying to sell a product. Then I click archive, right? So I think first and foremost, make it about the person you're sending it to. If you're sending it to me as a CRO, uh, the sentence should be about you in the, in, in the intro. Don't waste that that first uh, attention that you get. Uh, tackle something that's top of mind for me, something personalized, ideally. vast majority have buyers that are active on LinkedIn. Find something that I'm interested in. I mentioned cycling to, uh, a couple of minutes ago here that I'm interested in. Somebody mentioned cycling, I'm most probably keep reading for a little bit extra time, for example, because that's something that's personally I really love. So just the word of uh, cycling in a sentence, to me, I get a positive uh, connection to that messaging. Oh, 
I want to go cycling tomorrow. So that, that's so even if it's just a word, that actually makes a big difference. So it has to be about me and make something that inspires me to want to read further. Okay, they figure this out. What else have they figured out about my business? And then if they hit on something, then that's top three. Usually anyone has top three things they're trying to solve. If they hit on those ones, I'm most probably continue reading and maybe actually reply. Okay, nice. Yeah, well, it, it sounds like you're quite trigger happy with that with that archive button when when you're getting these uh, these prospecting emails. But I completely agree. I think the the best form of outreach is personalized and it doesn't always have to be about the business, right? Or about the person's career. It can be something as simple as, hey, I jumped on your socials, I saw XYZ, cycling, all that kind of great stuff. Mm-hmm. Just humanizes you and stops you from sounding like a, a robot, quite mm-hmm. relevant in uh, in 2023 with all this talk of uh, AI. So um, the, the title of this podcast is the phrase reaching out. You might have heard that that phrase in your it'll be in your archived inbox <laughs> at the moment you'll probably have a few of them what do you think of that phrase uh, that, that sellers use which is yeah i'm just reaching out i, I mean f- first of all i'm not the person I, I know a lot of people when they see bad outreach or bad uh bad uh, outbound get so annoyed and they want to call people out i think first and foremost i have a lot of compassion for sdrs and bdrs usually a job you take on early in your career it's a tough job it involves a lot of uh, rejections i think it's important to have empathy for people doing that job it's a really tough job and i think it's a fantastic school for anyone to understand how you speak to people understanding what people's problems are learning how to talk to c-level executives or vps etc but uh, for me the the sentence reaching out is just wasting uh attention from my end because it, it it's yet another couple of words away from that what I'm interested in, right, as a buyer. So I think to me, it's just a waste of, of messaging. Uh, and <laughs> you don't need to mention that you are reaching out because that's effectively what you are doing. I understand that that's happening, right? So to me, it's just a waste of time. I don't think it's, uh, you know, some type of uh, bad, bad sin that a lot of people calling out. I, I think people have to figure this out for themselves. But I, my recommendation is just try to write that effective sentence instead without it and see how that improves your messaging or when you have less words to play with uh, i think winston churchill was the one to say like if i'm going in to have a speech for two hours i need to prepare for five minutes but if i'm doing a speech for five minutes i need to prepare for a uh, 24 hours so i think mm. uh, i think that's really important when you put that pressure on you to write effective sentences uh in a shorter format when it comes to written outreach you force yourself to write better outreach mm. yeah and attention spans right they're they're shorter than ever and and i personally hate a long email but if someone can hit me between the nose with a couple of sharp sentences that do grab my attention i know that's the kind of stuff that i that i respond to really well mm. and uh, yeah just to pick up on what you said there let's try to put that in the bin right which is shaming people who have poor outreach because again we all had to start somewhere and i can hold my hands up right now and say that i've sent many and many email probably hundreds of emails <laughs> with that phrase reaching out so it's all about improving and kind of and getting better so to to round us off then uh, and you've given some great tips in in this uh, 
in this podcast. But what would be your your number one tip for a seller in 2023 who's specifically reaching out to a CRO? Because I know a lot of people uh, are prospecting CROs right now. Yeah. So, so let's, let's take away the personalization. I think we all agree that personalization is important to get the attention or get some type of emotion, trigger some type of emotion. But Currently, I think taking take into account what is the top three things a person like myself is thinking about. Now it's cost efficient growth, not cost at any cost. So anything that can help you with something that contributes to that, those metrics, for example, for me, if somebody reached out about retention and churn metrics, because that's cost efficient growth, I obsess about those things because we know that our addressable market is maybe getting smaller than it was a year ago because less people can purchase from us. So, so those are one thing. So something that is around net retention, churn and churn metrics. Then I think helping CROs to focus on ICPs because ICPs have changed. So if you can have anything that contributes to that focus, because it, when it's really windy, you have to get great at something and not spread yourself thin. So something that helps to, to contribute to that then. And then I think uh, one other thing that I think the third tip is just something around rep attrition is really, really interesting because before CROs have hired much more wildly and you had more abundant access to, to ability to hire, you had more budget for overhiring, for example, to make up for low performers. Now keeping top performers will be key. So anything that helps their team to be happy, hit quota and stay with them is going to be very, very important. So ultimately, again, can you help them something some metric in cost efficient growth can you help to keep their top performers happy and stay with the company you probably have a pretty good uh attention from a zero that's so great no thank you so much for for giving us that insight and i'm sure many of the listeners who are reaching out to the C-level and are speaking to CROs have been taking notes as you were speaking there. So thank you, thank you, that was great. Now, I would love to end this episode the same way we end all the episodes on this podcast with a pump-up song. This is the song that you might use if you were um, you know, about to do some prospecting or you're about to do some selling or even just to pump you up if you're about to go cycling, perhaps. So what is your pump-up song that we, you'd like to end the, the show with? Yeah, I think it comes down. I have a lot of songs that I use or I, send, I have a tendency to send songs uh, in messages in our Slack to our sales teams at different times of, uh, of, of every week and every month uh, that I think is important to send the right message or right emotion. I think songs are fantastic in that way. And, and, and the one that I love, in, which is very frequent, is the final countdown by Europe, if you remember that one. Uh, so so that, that's a fantastic song to post when you're closing in at the end of a quarter or end of something to just pump out that little extra energy to close out that quarter or month or year in the best way possible. So yeah, I would recommend that one. Also being Swedish, Europe is a Swedish band as well. So and 80s rock is, is usually quite good uh, from that time era when it comes to Swedish music. Well, I mean, Swedish 80s rock has put a big smile on my face and I, I can't wait to uh, to give this one <laughs> to give this one a try on the show. But Carl, thank you so much for joining us on the No Nonsense Sales podcast and I hope you have a, a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very kind. Wow. What a great, what a great room. What a great audience and what a great crowd. Thank you. This is my take on the final countdown. Hopefully this gets you motivated for whatever it is you, you may be doing at the moment. Thank you.
I guess there is no one to blame. We're leaving ground. Leaving ground. Will things ever be the same again? It's the final countdown. And if that rendition has wet your whistle, as they say, and you'd like to hear the track in full, head to Spotify and search No Nonsense Sales. We've added it to the playlist. And don't forget to subscribe, of course, to the No Nonsense Sales podcast on your favourite podcast player, or you can visit salesloft.com slash podcast. Podcast.